Part of our story is that we were full-time missionaries. We lived overseas. We were based in Israel for many years and traveled all over the world from there. We uh, then moved to Wales and we were living in the UK and uh, we're helping a church in, in South Wales. In 2006, we moved back to the United States and we took a position at a church in Clovis, New Mexico. Most people don't know where Clovis, New Mexico is. It's a small town in, uh, in basically on the West Texas, Eastern New Mexico border. And um, we plugged right into that church. I was on their staff, but we didn't have any family and friends. We were starting from scratch. Nearest family was my side of the family, you know, 1,200 miles away. So it was a very kind thing right out of the gate. The first couple of weeks or months, our family had been adopted by the Bold family, Ralph and, and Quana Bold. They, now, they were a little bit older. Their kids were our age. I'm going to show you a, a picture of, of Ralph and Quana. This is from a few years ago. Uh, dear friends of ours, um, kind of uh, mother, father, older brother, older sister type people, just people that, that we dearly loved. And when I say they adopted us in, like, no, they really adopted us in. Like, we did Thanksgiving and Easter and Christmas together. Like, like, you know how when you adopt somebody into your family and you don't bother to put on, like, makeup or do your hair or, you know, like, you're just wearing, like, sweats and a messy bun? Like, that's the kind of friends we became uh, almost right, right away. Ralph uh, worked on the BNSF Railroad, drove those giant mile-long orange trains all over the Southwest, you know. Uh, he was just a funny and charming and engaging type of guy. Uh, one terrible habit he picked up on the rails uh, was he was a heavy smoker for most of his life until um, one of his lungs just quit and the other one almost quit. Um, so he got put on the lung transplant list and um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, they were here in, in Dallas and uh, received a lung transplant. And um, the nice thing was we got to spend a lot of time with them because they were coming back and forth to Dallas all the time. And then after the lung transplant, they were staying here for many months of recovery. So Josie and I got to go and just visit with our old friends and um, it was really good. So they went back to New Mexico and got plugged in, but, but kind of after in the, in the post-COVID world and after all that kind of surgery, uh, Ralph's immune system was shot. So they weren't going to church like publicly in person. So Uncommon was, was one of their digital churches, and they would tune in and, and watch the sermon every week, and I would often get a text from Ralph or Quana and say, hey, great word today, Pastor, and um, it was just sweet to have that, that relationship with them, even like uncommon people from abroad. And then um, the problem is, though, the transplant it didn't really ever take, uh, like his body never really accepted the new lungs. And um, sometimes with lung transplants, people, you know, their lung takes the new lung and it's like, they're, they're good for you know, 20 or 30 years lease on life. Um, but uh, that wasn't the case for Ralph and his body was always working against that lung and um, he was always struggling, um, getting really worse and worse and worse. This is a picture from three weeks ago at Christmas. They had their whole family together and, um, and it was just great that the whole family could uh, be together. On Monday, this last Monday, you know, six days ago Monday, um, Quana drove Ralph here to uh, UT Southwestern for a, a checkup and a roto-rooter of the lungs and uh, just some testing and, it, you know, uh, they had packed uh, for like three weeks to be here at the hospital because sometimes that's how long it would take. And on um, Thursday, his son, Josh Bold, flew in to visit and, and hang out for a couple of days. Now, I remind you, Josh Bold is the president of Ames, and he spoke here at church uh, last year. He's also the guy that I went to uh, uh, 
Asia with a few uh, weeks ago. Um, my daughter, Joy, works for Ames. You know, Josh is her boss. He flew in. So the, I think Quana had taken a nap on the couch in the room, and Josh is sitting next to the bed at about 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. Ralph leans over to Josh and says, uh, hey, it's time uh, that I go. And Josh said, do, do, do you need to go to the bathroom? He said, no, I, I need to go to heaven. It's time. So, you know, Josh and Quana, they surrounded him and they played worship music and they, the three of them worshiped together and they prayed together and they said their goodbyes. And just a few hours later, Ralph took a deep breath of heaven's air and uh, went to see Jesus. So the family called and I, I ran down there uh, right away and just spent a few hours as they were packing up their things and just kind of saying goodbye to Ralph's body. His, one time when, it was just funny, you know, such a heavy, serious moment, Kwana, she said, um, I don't know. Oh, by the way, Kwana has a really high-pitched, like almost cartoony, fun voice. I love it. It's all my favorite. So if it sounds like I'm making fun of her, I am. And, um, and I know she's probably watching this morning. So she said, I don't know why I'm saying goodbye like to his body. He's not here. He's with Jesus. Another funny thing that happened that night, you know, we're dealing with Ralph's body and the, the hospital was like, you know, what do you, what do you want us to do? Is a funeral coming? Or you want us to put him in the morgue? Is, is he going to be cremated? Do you want him embalmed so they can bury him? And they were like, I don't know. So we were all on a big conference call um, with, uh, they have two kids. You know, Josh was here, but Summer is their daughter. She's a good friend of ours as well. So it was, you know, me and Josh and Quana and Summer on the phone. And they were debating what to do with Ralph's body. And Summer goes, this is silly. And all of this with dad being so sick, we never discussed what to do with his body. And here's what Quana said. She said, honey, we were believing God for a miracle. So when you believe God for a miracle, you never plan for death. powerful. Like death wasn't an option when they were believing God for a miracle. So Ralph has been my friend for 16 years, and um, I want to share two things that I learned from Ralph. Um, the first thing I would say is this. He changed a lot over the course of his life. He changed a lot in the 16 years I've known him. He changed a lot in the two years since the lung transplant, and he changed a lot, a lot in the last few months as the Lord was kind of preparing him to return to heaven. Now, I never, I only knew him for 16 years, and he was, you know, in his late 60s, almost 70 years old, so I'm not going to imply or talk about these old days. I've heard stories of the old days, but if I were to add up the stories of Ralph's old days, he's always been changing. And the longer I pastor, the more I realize that most people would fall into three categories, three groups of people. People that are always changing for the better, people that are never changing and just stay the same, and people that as they get older, they actually change, but for the worst. And Ralph was one of those that was always changing his whole life for the better, to become more Christ-like. Now, let me say this. He grew up in eastern New Mexico. He grew up in, like, cowboy, rancher, tough guy. You know, there's no more blue-collar job than being on the railroads. Those, those guys are some of the roughest and tumblest blue-collar fellas that are out there. 
but he was always a Christian. As a little boy, he would go to church with his family and he was baptized as a little boy, but he, he, was, he was rough around. He's like, what are those, I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Is that that t-shirt or bumper sticker you've seen? Like he was a, a salt of the earth type manly man, but he was always a believer and he was always growing in his faith. Now, like all of us, I'm, I, I knew aspects of Ralph's character that, that weren't great, especially some of the stories I heard of a younger man. There were aspects of, of all of our character that if we would allow the Holy Spirit to shine his spotlight, we, God is calling us to make changes in our life, and he wants us to get better. But as I, I add up the stories of Ralph's life, the, the, the thing that changed the most and the most radical change in Ralph's life was about 35 years ago. So he would have been in his early 30s as a grown man, two kids, fully into his career. But a radical change happened when 35 years ago, Ralph was already a Christian, but he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He received the, the fire of God. He received a complete immersion in the power of God, began to pray in other tongues. And it was such a life-changing moment, and it changed who he was forever. It changed his soul. It was, it was like getting born again, again. He went to his pastor and said, I need to get baptized in water again. I was baptized as a little boy, but I am not the same man that I was just a few weeks ago. And he was re-baptized. He, he went from being a, a Christian, like a, like a Texas Christian, to like going all in and really loving Jesus and passionately worshiping Jesus and seeking God and his righteousness. He went from head knowledge to heart knowledge about Jesus. And, and this was a giant step. This was a, a huge change to get rebaptized and make that public declaration that he is, he's not the same man he used to be. So Ralph was always changing for the better. And that's what I want to talk about. We can all change for the better. Whether you're a young person, you're middle-aged, you're older, there's always time to change. So for the sake of time, because I guess last week you're a little gun shy, I went a little long last week in reading every single parable in the Bible. You're like, you're not going to do that again, are you? So let me skip to the end of Ralph's story. He, he was so in love with Jesus. And the closer he got to heaven, the more heaven-focused he was. He, in fact, I would be willing to bet that from worshiping with his family Thursday afternoon, to stepping into heaven Thursday evening, there really wasn't a whole lot of change except for his zip code. Because he was, even before his lungs got shot, like even before the transplant, he always loved God and he loved people really well. He was always sincere with people. He always took time for people. He always encouraged people. Like, you know those big personality people that would just encourage anybody in a mall? Ralph was one of those guys. He was just encouraging. He, you know, he loved his wife, Quana. He worshiped and adored her. They'd been married 47 years. I mean, he just, it was like they were high school kids and that's when they met and, and got together. He just worshiped her. He adored her. He cherished her. He loved other people well. He loved his grandkids. He left a legacy of faith in his grandkids. Speaking of, so, of loving a spouse well, this is just a little side note for the fellas. Ladies, you're allowed to listen. Why is it so hard for men to like really love and honor and cherish and serve their wives. Because after 27 years of marriage to my wife, I, I'm more infatuated with Josie now than I have been in my whole life. Like, she's amazing. Why would I not want to just serve her and bless her and speak life over her? And like, she's way better than me. She's the, like, that's my better half. 
it's not even half. It's just, she's like my way better 90%, and then you get, you're stuck with a little bit of me. Like she, amen. That was a pretty amen, amen. She's smarter than me, amen. She's more gifted than I am. She, Josie's the best person on the planet that I know. And I don't know what it is about the South or Texas or Eastern New Mexico. It's like, well, we're tough guys. We, we drive trucks and, and we hunt and, and we're manly men. You can still treat your wife like a princess and be a manly man. Like you're not going to lose your man card if you buy her flowers and love on her and encourage her. You're not going to lose your man card if you do dishes or do laundry. You're not going to lose your man card if you ask your wife for advice. Let me just say this, if right now you would be honest and you're not treating the women in your life, maybe a mother, a sister, coworkers, especially if you're married, your wife, if you're not treating her with the utmost love and tenderness and, and just cherishing her and encouraging her and respecting her, you must change. And I'm telling you, you can change. All women in your life deserve to be celebrated, not tolerated. All right, let's, let's, get, let's get back to the message. No, let me finish. Fellas, if you need to ask for forgiveness, not here in church where you're just like, sorry, babe. No, I mean like <laughs> you take her for a walk around White Rock Lake in Dallas. That's 30 minutes away. She's worth it. And you hold her hand and say, listen, babe, I don't know that I've really cherished you the way that Brad was talking about. I don't know that I've been the most encouraging. I don't know that I've, I have helped the way I should. I, you know, I thought maybe I didn't have a good example from my father or my grandfather, but I'm going to lay my life down. I need you to forgive me. I'm so sorry for not cherishing you more. And you need to repent and apologize. You might need to do that to your mama. You might have a sister or a sister-in-law, somebody in your life. You need to really do that too. We need to lift women up and stop putting them down. Can I get an amen? All right, good. Let's get back to this message. Why? Because all of us can change. There's no person that can't change. Ralph is the example that I'm using today. You can always love Jesus more. You can always set your heart and affection to seek God more, to seek the king and his righteousness more. You can always worship more, you can always pray more, you can always remove more sin from your life that God would, 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 would purify your heart more and more. There's always more of the Bible to read and understand. One of the things that Ralph loved to do, especially as he slowed down, but even when he was still on the rails and he would put head, I guess he'd maybe not allowed to use headphones, but he would play on speakers with sermons. He loved to listen to sermon after sermon after sermon. Yeah, there was probably other books on tape or there was other things he could listen to, but he chose to listen to preachers because he wanted to understand more and more of the kingdom of God. He was always getting better. He never stayed the same all the way until he stepped into the presence of God. Some people, as they get older, they actually get worse. The more I see people, they might be in their 60s or 70s, but they're actually getting worse. There's, there's hurts and grudges and, and pain and sin and addiction from their childhood or their young adulthood that they're just allowing to grow in their heart and fester and they're getting worse and worse and worse. They, they're unforgiving towards other people. They're nasty to other people. They don't love other people well. They, they're unkind to other people. They're stingy with their time. They're stingy with their, their, their wealth. They're stingy with their, their talent. I'm telling you, it's never too late to forgive somebody. It's never too late to release a grudge. It's never too late to ask for forgiveness. It's never too late to repent of sin. 
It's never too late to talk to a biblical counselor and say, listen, I think I had a really unhealthy relationship and I was younger, I was in a marriage or I, I had a brother or I had a coach or I had a, 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 an uncle or an, I had a really unhealthy thing happen in my life and I wanna talk to a biblical counselor to, to work these, whether you're 17 or 70, don't let the devil lie to you and say, I'll always be broken, I'll always be sad, I'll always be poor, I'll always be lonely, I'll always be hurting, I'll always be in this bondage. God can set you free, but you have to step up to the plate and get set free. Ralph proved more than anybody that you can change for the better. That he wasn't gonna, so many times people just either stay the same or get worse and then wait till they die. I see it in older people all the time. And they're like, well, you know, I'm 72 now. I guess I'll just stop living and wait till I die. What if you lived in 97 and you got 25 more years? Like, let's get to work. You're not dead yet. Stop acting like it. There's always time for change. It's never too late to be great for God. I love the example, now that I'm getting close to my 50s, my parents, my stepfather, was a, an engineer with IBM, but his whole contract was with NASA. So he was a rocket scientist. My parents were in the fast-paced world of the Washington, D.C. area. And once my sister and I were out of the house and they're empty nesters, they moved to China as full-time missionaries and led a ton of college kids to Jesus. They're still born again today, those kids. They came back to the U.S. and then they, they pastored different churches in their 60s and into their 70s before they retired. And my dad, my stepdad's 80-something, three, and he still goes to the nursing home twice a week and prays for other people in their 80s. And they're not done yet. There's more ministry to be done. I'll try to call my mom, and she's in her mid-70s, and I'll get her voicemail, and then she'll call me back. She's like, sorry, I was ministering to a lady from our church. Just praying, just ministering to people. I loved about Ralph and Quana, our friend Josh, uh, before he took over the ministry uh, at Ames, they were full-time missionaries in Iraq right after the war. And Ralph and Quana would take time to, to go over to, to Iraq and minister like all the time at great expense. They take all their vacation time and all their money. And they went several times just to go love on people in Iraq. Like just because you get a little bit older doesn't mean you're done. You have been spent this whole lifetime learning about the Lord. Why don't you share some of what you've learned? Ralph developed such a heart for lost people around the world and then right here at home. You're like, don't just grow old. Do something for Jesus. It, to me, it reminds me, remember the meme a couple years ago where there's the guy poking with a stick? And it's like, come on, do something. And I just feel like we need to poke the church and be like, dude, come on, do something. You've got years of wisdom and resources. You, you could teach a U group instead of just skipping. You could serve on a dream team. You could serve on a prayer team. You could go on a missions trip. You could pray. You could volunteer at Six Stones. You're not dead yet. Stop acting like it. Come on, do something. And this is true for any age, whether you're 17 or 70. Like at any age, you can say, you know what? I wanna love Jesus more. I wanna serve Jesus more. I wanna spend more time. I wanna learn. I hate praying. I wanna, sp I wanna learn to spend time in prayer. I'm not a big worshiper. I want to learn to worship. I don't like to serve in, in my church. I don't want to be an usher. I don't want to run a camera. Serve. Love people well. Serve people well. All right, I got to move on. The second thing that I learned from Ralph, the first thing was you're never, it's never too late to be great for the Lord. The second thing I learned from Ralph. 
I told you that Ralph loved to listen to sermons. Even before he had to retire, when he was still out on the rails, he listened to sermon after sermon after sermon. He knew so much about the kingdom of God. And um, he, would, he would often either call me or text me, or when I'd visit with him, he'd be like, hey, preacher, I had this thought, or I heard this sermon, or I had this nugget. And he, he, he was learning so much, he wanted to share little nuggets with me. And um, I've actually preached several of Ralph's nuggets over the years. I never gave him credit until today, but I have preached several of Ralph's nuggets over the years. This is Ralph's last nugget. I actually didn't get to hear it from him, but he shared it with his wife, Quana. and when I was with them on Thursday night, tears in her eyes, she said, you know how Ralph used to love to share things with you he was learning? Here's the last thing he learned, and it's all about rocks, stones. Stones are a big part of the kingdom of God. And if you think about it, the entire Bible is, talks about rocks. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, there's a rock in there somewhere. Why? Because the nation of Israel, like the land of Israel, is one giant rock pile. So the people that wrote the Bible, it, rocks were on their minds because there's just rocks everywhere. There's rocks on top of the soil. There's rocks in the soil. There's rocks under the soil. There's rocks on rocks on rocks in the nation of Israel. God literally told the Jewish people, that if somebody is rebellious, you should take them outside of the city and a bunch of y'all should take rocks and stone somebody. Like God said, kill people with rocks, which is what they were doing. Do you remember in the New Testament when Stephen, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, who had been passionately preaching about Jesus, they were so enraged at him that a bunch of people took rocks and stoned Stephen to death. I think it's in Acts chapter seven and then it leaks into eight a little bit. You should study that. In fact, if you're done with Matthew for your homework, just read the book of Acts. Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus, arms open wide, welcoming Stephen into heaven. But do you remember in that story that there was a young man named Saul who we would later know as the apostle Paul before he gave his heart to Jesus. And he, he wasn't stoning Stephen, but he was like, yeah. He, he agreed with, is what the Bible, that, that, that Greek word, he agreed with stoning taking rocks and killing Stephen. And in life, too often, we often have a stone in our hand. And if we're not the one throwing rocks, we like to watch other people throw rocks. Where we could use that same rock and get in the line of fire and defend the person who's being thrown against. That's what Jesus did. He didn't have a rock in his hand, but they were gonna stone the woman who was caught in adultery and Jesus stepped into the line of fire and said, hey, if you guys have never sinned, knock yourself out, stone this woman. But because all of the people that were going to throw a rock at this woman for sinning were all sinners, ironically, by the way, Jesus was the only one that had no sin and could have thrown a rock at her according to Jewish law. But instead he said, lady, why don't you just go and sin no more? That's still the word of the Lord for the church today. Go and sin no more. All right, rocks are a big part of the Bible. Cain killed his brother Abel with a rock. Jacob used a rock for a pillow that night that he, that he called Bethel when he had that, that vision of a stairway above him where angels were ascending and descending and ministering the kingdom to him. Moses' wife, Zipporah, she took a rock and sharpened it and used it to <clears throat> circumcise their boy because God's wrath, a rock, saved Moses' son's life. Long before there was a, a temple, God told Moses that he should build an altar out of rocks 
and, and kill animals and pour out blood so that the people of Israel could worship from those rocks. It was in the desert where the people were dying that God brought life to the Jewish people when he hit the rock and fresh water came out to give water to all the people. The water came out of the rock. When the Jewish people were gonna leave the desert and go into the nation of Israel, they had to cross the Jordan River, but just like he stopped the Red Sea, he also stopped the Jordan River, and the whole nation, a couple of million people, crossed the Jordan River, and, the, and where it was dry there in the middle, there were riverbed stones, and Joshua said, go back and grab 12 stones out of the middle of the river, and we're gonna make a pile, an altar, to remember what God did. Stones were used in so many different ways. David killed Goliath with a stone. You're like, dude, are you gonna use every single illustration of a rock in the Bible and we're gonna be here for another hour? No. But I was tempted. And I had to delete a few yesterday because I'm like, no, we, I did that last week. That's... Fast forward, there's a prophecy about a Messiah to come for the Jewish people. Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected, well, that stone became the cornerstone. The rejected stone is actually the most important stone. And then, just to put that into illustration, when Jesus came, it was the builders, the, the religious leaders that rejected Jesus as Messiah, but it's Jesus who is the cornerstone of our lives. Ever since the cross, Jesus has been the most important cornerstone, the, the bedrock, the foundation of our lives. It's funny, we don't really build with stones, especially in Western you know, America. We, we build with a concrete slab and two by fours and sheetrock. And so maybe you could think of the concrete slab as being the most important and that as our cornerstone, that's Jesus. And if, you're, if, you're, if your foundation is off, the building is gonna crumble one day. So, so just imagine that your life has to be built on a strong foundation or your life will crumble. There's actually a house in my neighborhood in Bedford I mean, there's hundreds, well, thousands of houses in Euless and Bedford, right? There was a house that had a bad foundation. They couldn't fix it. They demolished the house. They demolished the foundation. They dug down and poured a whole new slab and had to rebuild the house. Why? Because it didn't have a strong foundation. Matthew chapter 7. This is actually from last week. Everybody, this is Jesus talking. Everybody who hears these words of Jesus and does them, not just hear, but do, if you do them, you're like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Just leave that verse up for a second, Britt. It's so important that we not just hear, but we do. It's easy to hear, it's hard to do. It's easy to come to church and listen to a sermon, it's hard to put that into practice on Monday morning. It's not just hear, it's do. If you do that, you're wise. If you change, you're wise. If you get better, you're wise because you're building your house on a strong foundation. And then when the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against your house, your house is not going to fall down because it was founded. It was, it was foundation was on that rock. So everybody that hears these words and does not do them just goes to church once in a while, listens to a sermon but never applies that teaching to their life. You're like a foolish person who builds your house on sand. Rain will come, storms will blow, and that house is gonna fall down. And too often in the church, I see people that hear good stuff, but they don't change their lives, and they don't do good stuff. Storms of life come, and it blows their house down. And right before the house blows down, and they lose everything, they reach out to Josie and I. 
Like, hey, I'm in trouble, I need help. Can you give me any advice? So they'll come into the office and we'll sit down and we'll ask some, oh, you've got this, this marriage is in crisis. You're financially in crisis. Your relationships are in crisis. You're struggling with all these things, you're struggling with addiction, you're, 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 you're drinking. And I'll be like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's go back, you've been hearing, have you been doing? Well, no, I'm still sleeping with that person I'm not married to. Oh, no, I still get drunk every weekend. No, I'm still getting high. I'm still getting angry. I'm still looking at porn. I'm still not cherishing my wife. No, I don't really read my Bible. No, I just come in late for church and skip the worship part. No, I'm not attending a U group. No, I don't serve on a dream team. I'm like, okay, I know the problem. You're a hearer, not a doer. You built your house on sand. A storm came and knocked your house down. It's like a doctor is like, hey, you have this terrible thing. It could kill you, but there's hope. I'm gonna write you a script. If you take this, you're good. And you're like, cool. And then you put the script in your pocket and you go back to living your life and you come back six months later and you're like, doc, I'm almost dead. He's like, yeah, but did you, did you take the medicine I asked you to take? No, it's right here, I have the script. I'm a hearer, but not a doer. We have to hear the gospel and then do the gospel. It's not, it's not meant to be hard either. Like, I don't know, preacher, it's just so hard to build my life on the solid foundation of Jesus. When Jesus said this, he was probably standing on a giant rock. It, like, he, he didn't mean for this to be hard. Because his warning was, listen, storms will come. You will face trial and tribulation in life. And it's just ever since Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have kind of done us in and storms come. But if your house is built on a strong foundation, you're not gonna feel the storm. You're not gonna worry. You're not gonna have fear of the storm. My house is 40 years old. It is a brick house. Oh, I should sing a song about a brick house. Boy, you gotta be older than 45 to get that joke. I like my old people, y'all get my jokes. Young people are Googling brick house song. We have had some major storms in my house. I mean, 30, 40, 50 mile an hour winds, hail blowing and rains coming. I sleep really, really well in my house. Why? I trust the foundation. I trust the history. I trust the construction. Storms blow on my house and I'm not freaking out or worried. I feel totally safe and sound because my house was built on a strong foundation. Jesus was not asking us to do something difficult. I told you at the beginning of this thing, the whole nation of Israel is one giant rock pile. Could you show that picture of northern Israel? This is in the Golan Heights. This is actually really near where Josie and I used to live. That's rock. And you see on the field in the background, that's those little white dots, that's not sheep grazing. That's more rock. I told you, Israel is rock on rock on rock. And Jesus is like, you've got to build your house on a solid foundation. Now, those of you that are Israel scholars, you're like, well, that is the Golan Heights. It's known to be quite rocky. That's in the north of Israel. I show you the south of Israel. Rocks on rocks on rocks. That's the Negev Desert. It's just one giant rock. The nation of Israel is one giant rock. Jesus was not asking us to do something hard. He was simply saying, don't do it your way, do it my way. It's so much easier if you do it my way. Stop building your life on quicksand of man-made reason. Do you remember the, the whole prophecy about, from a Psalm saying that when the Messiah comes, he will be an amazing rock, but the builders are gonna reject him. Well, the apostle Peter, 
reads that verse and he brings it back. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Uncommon church, put away all your malice, all your deceit, all your hypocrisy, all your envy, all your slander. Basically, he's saying, hey, church, stop sinning and be like number two, an infant, a newborn baby that is longing for, craving pure spiritual milk so that it by you will grow into salvation. You will grow as a believer. You'll grow as a Christian if you stop hungering and thirsting for yourself, for your wealth, for Netflix, for social, but you would hunger and thirst like a baby crying out for more milk if you, if you, if you go after the pure spiritual things of God. If indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, as you come to him, he was a living stone that was rejected by men, so remember that, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. You yourselves, listen church, you guys should be like living stones. You should be like Jesus, a living stone that is built into a spiritual house. In fact, a holy priesthood so that you can offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Peter is saying, I want you to be a living stone. Jesus is the salvation stone. Jesus is who we build our house on. Don't let your life just be a pile of rocks. Grow, mature, change. Final thought on rocks. Do you guys remember when we call it Palm Sunday, which is silly because it was probably like on a Tuesday where Jesus made his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem was in an uproar because a lot of people believed that Jesus actually was the Messiah. So he was riding in on a donkey and as he was coming in, the people were cutting palm branches and laying them in front, which is what you would do when, when royalty was, when the king was on the move. You would lay down palm branches so that that donkey was riding over palm branches and the crowd, hundreds and hundreds of people were crying out in worship. In fact, I think I have the verse, don't I? Luke chapter 19. As he was drawing near, already on his way down the Mount of Olives, by the way, if you want to visit the Mount of Olives and see it for yourself, Josie and I are taking a tour in the middle of November. Stay tuned for more. We will actually take you down this path. The whole multitude of the disciples began shouting, rejoicing, praising with a loud voice all of the mighty works that they had seen Jesus do. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory to God on the highest. But there were some of the religious, some of the people that were rejecting the stone. And they said, hey, Jesus, teacher, you should rebuke these disciples. And Jesus leaned over on the donkey and he said, listen, if these guys are silent, the rocks are gonna cry out in worship. I am not gonna let a rock cry out in my place. Worshiping God is my responsibility. He is worthy and I will lift him up with my voice. There was a worship song in the 90s when I was in youth group and I won't sing it, but those, yeah, Ben remembers it. There ain't no rock that's gonna cry in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. All of creation will worship God, will cry out. Rocks will sing the glory of God if we don't. And I also don't understand why so many people, we, we sometimes get criticized for our style of worship, lifting our hearts, lifting our hands, lifting our voices and crying out. I don't understand people that don't. Because when I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, nobody's ever whispering God's praise. They're always shouting God's praise. 
Worship's not meant to be quiet. Worship's not meant, well, I'm an introverted person. Yeah, but your God defeated sickness, death, hell, and the grave. If you're gonna shout for something, you're gonna shout for Jesus, he's worth it. All right, let's wrap this up. We are seeking first the kingdom of God. This is day 14, we're, we're, we're seeking his righteousness. Listen to this Bible verse from Isaiah. Listen, Uncommon Church, you guys that are pursuing righteousness, you guys that are seeking first the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to the rock from which you were cut, to the quarry from which you were dug out. He said, you guys are seeking God, you're seeking the Lord, you're seeking his righteousness, look to the rock of ages because he is the one that never changes. He is our cornerstone. He is the immovable rock and his truth never changes. The truth of the Bible 2,000 years ago is the same truth today. I know that we've discovered different things about genders and no, the truth of God's word is the same. I know, but we have discovered new things about who you should love. No, but the truth of God's word is the same. I know, but we don't need to be so generous and we don't need to be involved in a church. Listen, the truth of God's word is the same. If you seek the creator, he is the rock that we were cut from. Meaning, you're, gonna look, you're a chip off the old block. You're gonna look a lot like your daddy. And it's such a dangerous, slippery slope of quicksand if you allow celebrities and pop culture and Netflix and social media and your next door neighbor change what you think about the truth of the word of God. He is the firm foundation. He does not change. So be old school on the inside. Sadly, with rocks, I see people and the older they get, they use those rocks to build a little wall around themselves and they live their whole life secluded behind this wall of rocks that they picked up in their life. And I, I get it, it's easy to live separate from other people. Other people hurt us sometimes. Sometimes we have to get over our social anxiety and learn to know other people's names and spend time with people. But can I tell you something? God created us to be in a family. He created us to have relationships with one another. He adopted all of us from our orphanhood in sin and he adopted us into the family of God. He is a loving father. He calls us brothers and sisters. So if you are on the outskirts of this church family, if you're like on the outskirts of Uncommon, I'm asking you to take down the stones that you've put around your life to live solo and build a set of stairs and walk yourself right into a U group this week. Walk yourself onto a dream team. Walk yourself to our connect table after church and shake somebody's hand. Get to know somebody. You don't have to be alone unless you choose to be. Hop up on your feet. We'll wrap this up. Let me give you Ralph's final point. This is what Kwana told me on Thursday night. This is a Ralph's final revelation. He said, in life, we often will pick up stones. Maybe a field is plowed and you gotta get those stones out of the way of your field, but then we'll hold on to stones. And instead of planting seed and worrying about having health and growth and life and legacy in our life, we walk around with these stones in our hand and it's like we walk into every room we walk into, we walk into the mall, we walk into the work, we walk into school and it's like we're holding a rock and in our thoughts, it's usually in our thoughts, we're just looking to throw a rock at somebody. We have this angst, we have this, this thing that wants to separate us. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day and this, this, this nation suffered from this awful racism where we're 
People were carrying rocks and obviously with words and physically throwing rocks at people. People created in the image of God. But it's not just racism. We do it with people that vote different than us, people that, that are different socioeconomical class, if we're rich and they're poor or vice versa. We do it with people from different nations or like we hold a rock and like, should we throw a rock at them in our heart? Should we throw a rock at them with what we think? Should we throw a rock at them with our words? Maybe a social media comment. It's easy to throw a rock on social. We have all these rocks. And what Ralph was saying is, why, why don't we, instead of using these rocks to hurt people and, and, and create more division, why don't we use rocks to build bridges so we can get into people's hearts and, and demonstrate the love of God? Ralph said the gospel is a heavy message. It needs a strong bridge. Instead of having all these rocks and looking to throw them at somebody that's different than us, we should use those rocks to build a bridge into people's hearts so we can share the love of God. People you might normally disagree with. People that, 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 that other people would throw rocks at and you used to watch, like Saul watching Stephen get, get stoned. But instead, You'd be like, no, I want to build a bridge into that person. I don't understand them. I don't understand the way they think. I don't understand the, the choices they've made. I don't understand why they, they, they choose to sin in that way. But instead of alienating people or, or throwing rocks at people in our hearts or with our words, we're going to build bridges to people. Basically, Ralph's thought, and let's stop judging people. Let's stop sizing people up for how we can hurt them or protect ourselves. Let's put down our differences and love people well. Yeah, they have a different culture, a different background, a different skin color, a different language, a different denomination. Hello. It's okay. Put your rocks down. Instead of dividing ourselves from other people, let's look for ways to really love other people well. Kwana said in particular the last year, as Ralph's health was getting worse and worse, he continued to change for the better. The closer he got to heaven, the more Christ-like he became. He used to be the kind of person that even in jest, he could make a funny joke about somebody. He said the last few months, everything he said was so encouraging and life-giving. It's like he was becoming more and more like Christ until he got to see him face-to-face -face on Thursday night. At the end there, last few months, Kwana said everybody he went, everybody he encountered in life, he just wanted to make sure they were going to heaven. Heaven was so much on his mind, he didn't want anybody to not go to heaven. Let me say this to younger people, people in their teens, 20s, 30s, you, you know, you, you feel like I'm talking about an old guy. By the way, Ralph wasn't even 70 yet. That's really, really young. Can I get an amen from the old people? But you, you, <laughs> but you're younger, right? You're not even playing the back nine yet. You know, you're still on like the third or fourth hole. Golf reference from the three golfers in the room. I got a little bit for everybody. You don't have to be older to change your life. Uh, young people, teenagers, you can set the course of your life right here, right now, that I'm gonna be the kind of person that's always, from the earliest days, to be loving Jesus more and more and more. And when I'm tempted to sin or fall away or let other people change, I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on the rock of salvation. He is my rock, he is my foundation. And everybody, allow the Holy Spirit to examine your character. 
the secret part of your life that nobody sees. If there is anything that is not Christ-like, I want you to take that rock and remove it from your soul today. And so often people go, especially the older you get, well, that's just the way I am. That's just, that's just the way I am. I'm just, I was just a jerk. I'm just selfish. I'm just angry. I'm just whatever. Dude, come on. That's lazy. And you're not lazy. You were created to work hard, to love God, to grow in your faith. If you've got rocks that are in your soul, if you've got pain in your heart, if you've got unforgiveness, if you've got grudges, if you've got sin, if you've got addiction, if you've got pride, I want you to plow up that field and remove those rocks. Hosea said, I want you to plant good seed of righteousness in your life. You're gonna harvest a crop of love. But first you have to plow up the hard ground of your heart. Now is the time to seek the Lord. And then he's gonna come and he's gonna shower you with righteousness. First, we seek the Lord. First, we repent. First, we allow God to plow up our hearts and then we remove the stones. It's never too late. Today is your day. I'm gonna pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for my friend Ralph and I, I just am so honored that I, I got to know him and that he was such a dear friend of mine for so many years, such a, a big part of my family's life. But I thank you for what we learned from Ralph. I thank you that there's truths, little nuggets that we can learn and then apply to our life and his legacy lives on, not just in his children and in his grandchildren, but it lives on in our church. Our lives are gonna change. We're gonna, we're gonna change. We're gonna remove sin from our lives, rocks from our lives. We're gonna give up addictions and we're gonna give up pain and unforgiveness. We're gonna give up our anxieties and our loneliness and the things that have been holding us back. We're gonna change at any age so that we can know you in a greater measure. Lord, I, I know that sometimes it's hard to run a plow through hardened ground is really difficult, but you're a very powerful plow. So Holy Spirit, come. And I pray that the rain of your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break open the hardened ground of our hearts even if we've been a Christian forever, but we haven't been fully surrendered to you, we haven't been continually growing to be more like you, we've just kind of settled and are maybe even waiting to die. Maybe we're young and we've already allowed sin into our lives and we haven't been focused on seeking you. God, I know it's hard, so I ask for help. I know our church can do it. I know we can grow. I, I, I know we can, but we're gonna need the help of your Holy Spirit with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not the rock of your life, I want you to repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, and I want you to receive the gift of eternal life. I want you to receive the gift of adoption into the family of God. Today is gonna to be your day of salvation. Even if you're watching at home online, you're here in the room, today is your day to get right with God. I can lead you in that prayer, but I can't pray it for you. I can help you. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and either for the first time in your life, or maybe the first time in a long time, you need to pray that prayer. Would you shoot your hand up real high right now and say, preacher, pray for me. I need to get right with God today, but I don't know how. Lead me in that prayer. I see your hand over there in the back. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up. Good, good. 
All right, you that are watching online, one person boldly raised their hand and said, I'm getting right with God today. Right there watching YouTube in your living room, in your car, in your bedroom, just shoot your hand up between you and God and say, I mean business, I'm serious. I'm gonna get right with God today. For the sake of those that are watching online, for the sake of the one here in the room, can we all pray this? And, and for the sake of the chicken people that didn't raise their hand because y'all were afraid, that's okay too. Let's all pray this together. If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent, I surrender my life to you. Be the rock of my salvation. Be the firm foundation of my life. I will change to grow and to know you better. Today and all the days of my life, I will mature in my faith. Help me, Lord, to know you in a deeper way. Help me, Lord, to humble myself before your mighty hand. I receive the gift of adoption into your family. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for forgiving me, for washing me. In Jesus' name, say amen if you believe it. Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Man, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.